following lecture was produced by the Gnostic Academy of Chicago, a nonprofit organization, and is one of many available for podcast, download, and transcription. You can visit chicagonosis.org to find courses, articles, scriptures, commentaries, and other valuable resources that address a wide variety of spiritual subjects, interests, and needs. Through the generous support of listeners like you, the Gnostic Academy of Chicago has produced online courses, lectures, and articles freely available worldwide. If you have benefited from this knowledge, help humanity through making a tax-deductible donation at chicagonosis.org. If you are interested in attending the Gnostic Academy of Chicago in person, you may view our online class schedule and freely register at meetup.com slash chicagonosis. The Chicagoland Gnostic Academy provides humanity with the necessary means for transforming suffering and acquiring personal knowledge of the divine. With this purpose in mind, we now begin the lecture. May all beings be happy. Mysteries of Anointment. So uh, in these studies, within the Gnostic tradition, we seek to understand many mysteries pertaining to religion and symbolism. We explain many archetypes, principles, and meanings associated with uh, the symbolism within the scriptures whether in the Judeo-Christian tradition or within Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, etc. Today we're going to explain the secret teachings of anointment as particularly elaborated within uh, Judaism and within Christianity. And uh, it's important to note that as this science denominated Gnosis, it pertains to all religions. So we find not only the mysteries of anointment within, uh, within uh, Christianity, we find it also within Hinduism, Islam, Judaism, etc. But we're going to elaborate on many principles pertinent to the Judeo-Christian tradition, especially the Hebraic Kabbalah. Kabbalah is the science of Judaism, is the... Uh, the teachings of the relationship of the human being to God. The structure of the human being in his or her internal constitution in relationship to divine principles. So we're going to elaborate many things in relation to the Hebrew letters because the Hebraic alphabet teaches us many things, as you will see. And each letter symbolizes a principle, a type of uh, archetype we need to cultivate psychologically spiritually within ourselves, and which pertains to the teachings that Jesus gave regarding anointment. So we find in this image, Jesus, uh, his feet being bathed by the tears of the woman from Bethany, uh, preceding his crucifixion, his passion. And his disciples were alarmed and disturbed that this woman was in the party, wiping her hair and her washing 
the feet of the Lord Jesus with her tears and anointing her, his feet with oil. We find scripturally stated within the book of Luke, chapter 7, verses 44 through 47, when Jesus is responding to his apostles' reaction. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest, no water, gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. So the teachings of anointment pertain to the redemption of the human being, which we just denominate as uh, the studies of soteriology. How the soul is purified, is sanctified, is cleansed in order to unite fully with God. Whether we call that entity Christ, which we're going to elaborate upon, Allah, Jehovah, Yorchava, etc. So the teachings of anointment are uh, specifically relate to the Eastern teachings of Tantra, associated with what we call in this tradition sexual magic. The work of a couple, man and woman, in order to harness the most potent energies we possess in our interior, which is precisely the sexual energy that we call the Holy Spirit, the sexual force. In order to elaborate on uh, these teachings of anointment, uh, it's important to note that in this scripture in Luke chapter 7, Jesus is preparing for his crucifixion, his path of the cross. And we emphasize very clearly in these studies that the cross is a sexual symbol. It is the union of man, the vertical beam, and woman, the horizontal beam, within uh, the sexual act, and harnessed completely for God. Instead of that energy being utilized in a way, uh, in the common carnal uh, passion to engender children, the same energy can be utilized in order to unite with God. And the mysteries of anointment uh, are associated directly with this. Because in the Hebraic teachings, the Kabbalah, we talk about what is known as the Tree of Life. And the Tree of Life is a diagram uh, illustrating ten spheres. Ten sephiroth. And uh, in the center, middle of the tree, we have the, what is known as Yesod, the foundation. If we take the image of uh, the tree of life and transpose it on a human being, we find that yes, saw it pertains to the sexual organs. And that this is the foundation stone of our temple, spiritually speaking. Or as Peter was denominated the founder of the Gnostic Church, the Gnostic Catholic Church, the Gnostic Universal Primeval Christian Church. And so Yesod relates, as a symbol of Yesod, uh, we have what is known as the sandals. Because each of these spheres in the tree of life of the Kabbalists has a symbol. And the symbol of uh, Yesod is the sandals. It is how one walks the path of self-realization of the inner being. 
And so the fact that Jesus is anointed by his feet with oil and with tears is illustrating for us how we ourselves need to walk spiritually. Because Jesus, the master Abarmento, was a one individual who incarnated Christ. There are many who incarnated the Christ. The Christ is an energy. It's a force. And uh, can become particularized within any individual that is fully prepared through the process we call initiation. And so, he's a, Master Jesus was teaching physically with his life what we need to do. Really, uh, we need to anoint our feet. We need, uh, and the feet is a symbol of... Uh, we could say Malkut as well. Because you take the tree of life, put it on the human being. Malkut relates to the feet as well. But the symbol of Yasod is the sandals. How we walk is determined by how we use our energy spiritually. Psychological, emotional, and sexual. In, in union and harmony. Now, uh, of course, we need to understand exactly Christ what Christ is. Because the word Christos literally means anointed one. This is a title. It is not uh, a specific name for one individual in the past. It, prefer- it pertains to a title any initiate can acquire. If, and we can acquire that ourselves if we walk this path. So we have... Uh, the Greek god of fire, Krestos. And literally, it literally means anointed one, from the adjective krain, to anoint. The Greek god Krestos means fire. And this fire is not physical, but psychological, spiritual. And is an energy. Many people talk about the Christ force, but none have openly explained how to directly work with this energy inside of ourselves. Because uh, the secret of anointment explains this uh, teaching directly. So we have on the right an image of a rabbi who is anointing a disciple with a horn. And what's uh, interesting is that the horn, uh, and to elaborate on the sexual nature of this type of teaching, the horn uh, typically, uh, whether in uh, treatments of in, in Taoism or uh, even some forms of acupuncture for individuals who suffer impotence. One remedy they give is the horns of a goat or uh, of, a, of a type of deer or type of uh, buck, you could say. Because the horns of any animal pertain the, contain the sexual power of that animal, of the man, of the male. So men who physically suffer impotence are sometimes given treatment if they try alternative medicine, such as this. Uh, sadly, we even get the term, this is where the, the term horny comes from, to, to explain some terms and the, or, the real origin and meaning of that. And so, typically, the rabbis, they would anoint their disciples from a horn, because the horn is a symbol of how the sexual energy of God, when we, it, when we conserve it and harness it for spiritual practice, how it, go, how it goes inward and upward, up our spinal column, the path of uh, the cross, the Via Crucis that uh, Jesus of Nazareth taught with his physical life. Is there a relationship between what you're talking about right now and the shofar? The shofar relates to that. The shofar, uh, they would blow on holidays. Um, and Because the horn, the ram's horn, is and the, r- pertains to this, this teaching. Because the ram is the symbol of Christ. And the horn is the, po- the sexual male power of an individual. 
And so this energy, we can conserve it, bring it inward and upward, up the spinal column to the brain. And this is where the horns of the, of, uh, we could say the horns of the initiates are found. Not to be mistaken with the horns of demons, which is different. So, uh, the, to explain this teaching even further, the word oil in Hebrew is shemen. And uh, we have this following quote from, uh, and we're going to give some more quotes that directly explain this teaching. From the book of Psalms, uh, book 23, verse 5. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil, my cup overflows. The Hebrew word for oil is shemen, literally. And uh, if we break down the Hebrew letters associated with the word oil, we arrive at the meaning. So the letter shin, and it's important to remember that each Hebrew letter represents a principle, something we need to develop within ourselves. The Hebrew letter shin looks like a trident, relates to the three primary forces of nature, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or Christ in unity, the flame, the fire of God within us. Mem relates to water, uh, such as in the words Stella Maris, virgin of the sea, relating to the divine mother Miriam, the goddess of the waters. And the letter Nun, which in Aramaic literally means fish, but can denote the, either the sperm or ovum within a man or woman. Now, uh, we explain it in these teachings that the sexual physical matter known as semen is a container for powerful forces which we could use for God, which we can use for our Christ, Christ within us. And we teach that this energy, when it is transformed, when it's conserved and never wasted, but retained in the body and transmuted into a higher substance, to the science of alchemy, that this energy will grant us anointment. Anoint my head, thy head with oil, it says. Meaning we need to take that energy within us, bring it inward and upward, up our spine, to the exercises we provide in this tradition, to the brain. And like Jesus carrying the cross, we need to bring that energy inward and upward, up the 33 canyons, the 33 vertebrae of the spinal medulla, represented by the 33 years in the life of Jesus, or the 33 uh, uh, degrees of uh, Freemasonry. So this energy is, is sacred. And this is the foundation of this science, of union with God. Because we need to uh, learn to work with this energy, this sexual power, which some call Holy Spirit, some call Kundalini. If we want to really unite with our inner Christ, our inner being. So, uh, in order to explain the teachings of uh, anointment, it's important to elaborate on the first book of Genesis and to explain it from a Kabbalistic point of view. So, very famously, we remember, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But if we look at the original Hebrew, it gives us a much more uh, direct translation. So we emphasize that a lot of the translations in the, of the Bible are very mistaken because they don't have a deep Kabbalistic knowledge, many translators, of the meaning of the Hebrew letters and how they teach us things that are not explicit. 
So the original Hebrew says, Bereshit bara Elohim at hashamayim ve'at ha'aretz. Bereshit bara Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created. So the word Elohim, they say, is uh, God. But if we look at it literally, breaking it down, El means God. Eloah means goddess. And the plural Yod Mem at the end, Yod Mem at the end, that's masculine plural. So it really should read gods and goddesses. And we teach that in, this, in these studies, in the Gnostic tradition, that when a man and woman unite sexually in, a, in holy matrimony, and when this energy is preserved and never wasted, the man and woman become a god. They become Elohim. They are a god and a goddess together. Because every man needs his wife in order to be fully complimented. And every woman needs her husband in order to be complimented as well, spiritually speaking. And so, uh, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. So we have to remember this is not just talking about physical creation of this planet. That's one meaning, but it's very symbolic. On another level, this pertains to how a married couple can create God within themselves to develop spiritually those archetypes, the teachings of the Hebrew letters within themselves. If you uh, examine this, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. We're going to elaborate a lot about what the word heavens means. Heavens is uh, Shamaim, or the heavens, Hashamaim, literally speaking. And so notice that in this word, we have, uh, and we're going to break this down further, we have uh, the letter He, the letter Shin, the letter Mem, the letter Yod, and the letter Mem. And uh, we're going to break this down further, as I mentioned. But Hashamayim means the heavens. So heaven is not just some place in the clouds that we need to somehow behave very well by paying our taxes and being a good husband in order to go there. It pertains to psychological states, archetypes, principles we need to cultivate. As uh, John Milton, the famous author of Paradise Lost, he said, uh, the mind is its own place. It can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. So heaven is a state of mind, it's a state of being. Even though there are dimensions represented by the tree of life and the Kabbalah, that represent higher states of consciousness we can access when we are physically asleep or in meditation. What's important is that we cultivate this in ourselves here and now, fundamentally. So, Hashamayim uh, at, or Elohim at Hashamayim ve'at ha'aretz. The letters at here, Aleph Tav, are the first and last letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Or if we say in Greek, Alpha Omega, beginning and ending which is why we include it in this next, uh, next uh, line. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty, from Revelations uh, book 1, verse 8. So uh, the fact that the, in the beginning through uh, Elohim created heaven, the heaven through Aleph and Tav, Alpha, Omega, through all the principles within the human being that make him or her complete. At is the word. And uh, 
That is through, so we could say at is another way of saying of begetting, becoming, creating. Through these letters, these principles. Created the heavens and veat haretz. Haretz is earth, the earth, which is our body, we could say. Our physical body is an earth. It's its own world in itself, bless you, that has its own substances and forces. Now, uh, again, remember this is symbolic. The letters represent things for us that we need to comprehend. And uh, in the words, Veyat Haretz and the earth, and, and then created the earth, we have Aleph Tav again, and another Hebrew letter, Vav, which is a straight line. And the Vav is our spinal column. So in Tantra, we emphasize that the spinal column is important and that we need to raise the sexual power through the spinal medulla, from our sexual organs to our brain, because it's a creative power of God. So, is that air? Would that be the central column there? yod Yes, in the sacred name, yod heh vav or Jehovah is the name. Vav is, is present. And the Vav represents the spinal column. And so we need to raise these principles, Aleph Tav, beginning and the ending, all the principles of God within us, in our body. So the book of Genesis is, is explaining that all of the creative power and potential of the being, of divinity within us, is uh, precisely within our sexual organs. Because it is the, very, is the only power that can create a physical child, physical life. There is no other way to create life, except when a man and woman unite sexually, to create physically in the manner that everybody knows. But here we're explaining a superior spiritual teaching for how to use that energy spiritually. So I mentioned to you that we're going to explain the word heaven or hashamayim. So in this image, we actually have uh, the tree of life transposed over a golden figure, which is the Egyptian god Ptah, which is where we get the word pater or father. This is the real human being made into the image of God. And uh, the ten sephiroth, or spheres, which are the different aspects of the consciousness within a human being, fully illuminated. So the fact that he's made of, this figure is made of gold, like in the manner of the Egyptian pharaohs, emphasizes that psychologically, alchemically, he transformed the brute substance of his body into the goal of the spirit, into uh, that fully developed human being. And we have, uh, if you're familiar with the, the tradition of Christmas, the Christmas tree, the lights on the tree illuminated. This is the same symbol. The light of God, the light of Christ, has been elevated inward and upward to the brain, to the heart, and fully illuminating these uh, different spheres, these different aspects of the human being. So uh, this is the heavens within us. The heavens is Hashamayim. We can also break it down as a ha-shamim in Hebrew because Hebrew is very uh, dynamic. There's a lot of meaning in, even in just one word. We can read many things from it. Ha-shamim means the names. And uh, the names of God are precisely these archetypes within the 22 Hebrew letters we wish to cultivate within us. We have uh, the name, Hashem. If we say in Hebrew, uh, many devout Jews will, instead of saying Yohava or Jehovah, they pronounce uh, Baruch Hashem Adonai, blessed be the name of the Lord, as a type of honorific or title to God, to be respectful, not to pronounce that name in vain. And so the word Shem means name. 
The letter he is simply, when you add he in front of any word, it's the, the indefinite article. So, ha-shamayim, the heavens, or ha-shamim, the names. Hashem, the name. And then Shem is literally name. What's interesting is that we just discussed the Hebrew letter Shemen. And the letter Shemen has literally the Hebrew letter, uh, has the Shin and Mem, which is name. The name of God hidden within uh, the sexual matter, the substance in our body, which sadly in these times we think is only useful for procreating children, physically speaking. But people have ignored and we are attempting to explain how this same power can be used for spiritual development and that it is really the foundation stone if we wish to transform our psyche. So uh, the names of God, Hashamayim, or Hashamim, or the heavens, meaning all those principles of God we need to cultivate are in us, literally inside of our body. Uh, physically within men, contained within semen or shemen, which is shin, the fire of God, mem, the waters, because the semen is a, is a fiery water. It is when uh, active, when a man and woman are united, there is fire, sexually speaking. The question is whether that couple will conserve that fire and never lose it, or will waste it or expel it. And so shem, the name, is precisely within... Uh, Noon, to spell shemen. Noon, as I said, it, it literally from Aramaic is fish. So men have sperm and women have ovum. That's the fish in our waters, literally speaking, in which the principles, the shem or hashamim, are contained within. And uh, this is really the fountain of youth within us that many explorers were seeking physically, thinking that alchemy was just a this fountain of youth or the alchemical teachings is just about transforming physical substances into gold, physical lead into, into gold. But it's symbolic. It's, it's a symbolic teaching. And so that gold is in our, precisely the potable gold of the alchemist is within our body. It's our shemen, it's our oil, which we need to be anointed with. Precisely by conserving it and then transforming that energy, that oil, into precisely the Hashamayim, into the heavens. So remember in the, we mentioned in the first graph, uh, the second graphic, or the third graphic, I'm sorry, talking about Genesis, in the beginning Elohim created. In the beginning gods and goddesses created. The heavens and the earth. So man and woman together are a god, one being. They create as Elohim. Precisely by working with all the archetypes that are found in a chaotic state, in a potential state. As you remember in the book of Genesis, uh, the earth was formless and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So psychologically speaking, we are a type of darkness. If we examine our mind, we fi- oftentimes we find a lot of anger, resentment, pride, vanity, conflicting emotions, resentment, uh, negative aspects of our, about ourselves that we want to change, that we want to rectify, that we want to know how to Remove so that we can fully illuminate this light of God within us, Christ. But uh, there are many books on self-help and many teachings, but if they ignore that without working with that energy of God, the sexual power, we cannot change and unite with God. We need that energy. It is that power that is patar, 
the foundation stone. And uh, even, even in slang, and I'm going to explain some meaning of where certain slang came from. Uh, the word Peter is a physical word, is a, we say is a name for a phallus. It's a stone, patar, of our temple. So Jesus said, you know, this, you will be my stone of my church, upon which I will found my church. The rock upon which the house was built, that when the storms came, it did not blow it away. But those who build their, their house, their spiritual house, their beliefs, on theories, the wind, karma, and circumstances will knock it down. And uh, we need to know what this stone is, patar, which is the god patah in Egypt, and uh, to develop these principles within us. So heaven is within us, which is uh, formless and void. So semen is really formless and void, but if the Spirit of God hovers upon it by working with our breath, the Ruach Elohim mentioned in Genesis, we can transform that substance into light. And, and Elohim said, let there be light, and there was light. Elohim va yehi aor, va yehi aor, and there was light. Aor is light in Hebrew, and we're going to explain that further. But precisely, uh, the name of God, Shem, or Hashem, is within our Shemen, within our, in, this, in the physical sperm, if we know how to uh, use it. We find this symbolism all throughout the Bible. We have in the next graphic, Shemuel, or Samuel. Literally, it spells Shin Mem Vav Aleph Lamed. So, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, and this is an image of Shemuel anointing uh, Saul in the Bible. So, he was the son of Hana, which is uh, who was barren. So a lot of women in the Bible are mentioned that oh, she was barren, she was unable to engender children. And many Jews interpret this literally thinking, well, it's about a physical woman in the past who couldn't have physical children and amongst the Jewish race and other, uh, individ- other groups, family is very important. Um, if you're familiar with uh, uh, different cu- cultures like this, like very, in- very concerned about having family, procreating, having children, and very identified with just having kids. This is not the meaning there. The meaning is that to be barren is, is really what we are psychologically, if we are honest and see that you know, we in ourselves are barren, empty, formless, and void. Darkness upon, psychological darkness, ignorance upon the deep of our mind. To be barren is to be sterile, meaning uh, to not have a lot of sexual, divine, spiritual, creative potency. Because to be sterile is to, not, is to be impotent, or for a man to be impotent. But barren is uh, not having enough sexual creative energy to engender a child, even physically. But this is, we're looking more at the, the spiritual meaning. We want to engender spiritual children inside of us. The golden child of alchemy, or Christ, within our interior. And chana uh, means favor or grace. So we have the names like John, which is really Yahanan, Jahanan, or uh, the angel Anael, or Hanael, grace of God. So Hana means favor or grace. And if you just trend, the word Hana is Chet Nun He. If you translate the Nun in the middle to a Vav, the letter V, or the, letter, the, the spinal medulla we mentioned, you spell Hava, Eve. And Eve is the mother of the living, mentioned in the Bible. 
She's the one who engenders and creates children, um, according to the physical history. But psychologically and spiritually, Chava is uh, the sexual organs of any man or woman, because it is through sex that we create. The problem was that in the times of Adam and Eve, individuals wanted to create to have children by reaching the orgasm, having physical children. Forgetting that that same energy can be used when it's conserved and not wasted to create spiritually. So if we wish to become like Chana, we need to take this middle letter Nun and raise it up our spinal column, the Vav. Then you spell Chava to create spiritually. And so uh, Shemuel is also just some physical history or the tradition associated with him. He was the last judge of pre-monarchic Israel. He was the last judge before the anointment of the kings, uh, Shaul and David. And according to the rabbinical literature, he was the first of, considered the first of the major prophets. So he's very highly regarded within Judaism. But one thing is Shamuel in the past, what he rep- but what he represents is what we're concerned with. Shemuel, we have the letter Shem, name, and the Hebrew letter Vav, which is the spine in, the, in, the, in our body. And then El is God, as I mentioned, as in Elohim. The name of God, Shemuel, within the spine, within our spinal column. So we need to create uh, the, or find the name of our inner God, because each of us has our own inner being, and our being has a name. Yes. Yes, and Samuel sounds like Shemuel, but it's different. It's a, and it has different spelling too. But Shemuel is a symbol of how we need to develop the archetypes of God, the names of God within us, the heavens within us, by uh, precisely working with our own Shemen. Because uh, Shem, the name, needs to rise up the name of El, God, needs to rise up our spinal column, which is uh, precisely the work of alchemy or tantra. Uh, also the, the mantras, no? They help also. Yes, and uh, when we do mantras, as we explain in books like uh, The Perfect Matrimony, that is how we activate those forces if we're married and working with our spouse. That's the full meaning of how to develop Shemuel within us. And that's how we anoint within our interior the king's. So King Shaul, or Saul, and David are mentioned. So before we can develop, before we ourselves can become kings and queens or queens of nature, we need to develop Shemuel first by working with the name of God and cultivate that energy so that we can receive Hana, grace, from above by working with Chava below in order to elevate ourselves. Now, um, to emphasize the, this, the importance of this in relation to anointment and how it is by working with this energy that we achieve salvation, we have the following quotes from uh, the Psalms and then we have Proverbs. So, uh, in the Psalm, 40, Psalm book 45, verse 7, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest, hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, 
hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Again, the word is Shemen here. Elohim, Elohaika, Shemen, Shashon, Machibareka in Hebrew. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. Psalm, uh, book 80, uh, Psalm 89, verse 20. Again, the Hebrew word, the letter is uh, Shemen. And then uh, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 21, uh, verse 20. There is treasure to be desired, and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Or Shemen in the dwelling of the wise. So what is that dwelling of the wise person? It's a physical body. And our body is uh, really how we can cultivate wisdom. But a foolish man spendeth it up. So there is oil, shemen, in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man expels it, ejaculates it, fornicates. The word fornication means to burn it like a furnace and then to expel the semen through a few moments of pleasure and then exhaustion afterward. And so uh, shemen is uh, precisely that oil that is our treasure. The word for treasure, I believe, is a chatzor. Or an otsar. So treasure is a otsar, which we have the three Hebrew letters that remind us of the Hebrew word aur, which is light. Aleph, vav, resh. We have the letter aur, which means light. So there is a treasure, there is light to be desired. And shemen in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man wastes it, expels it. Through many vices such as uh, masturbation or uh, prostitution, fornication, any act in which that semen is expelled. In all the teachings of religion, the foundational tenet was you should not, you shall not fornicate according to, Genesis, according to uh, teachings of uh, Moses, Moshe. The foundation. If we want to change ourselves, we need to understand this precept. Because this energy, if it's wasted, we feed desire. We feed animality. We feed lust, anger, pride. It is the original sin by which all of our defects manifest. So if we want to really grab the bull by the horns and change psychologically, we need to have energy. If we don't have that energy, then, we, then we, we're, if we're giving in to lust, we're feeding all our defects. So it is light. It is uh, otsar, treasure in the dwelling of the wise. And a foolish man spendeth it up. The word for spendeth is a we have three Hebrew letters that uh, are significant. Bet, Lamed, Ayin. You take those three letters, you spell the name of a demon named Baal. Mentioned many times in the Bible. So a fool is one who, who is a demon, is wasting that energy, feeding desire, and creating suffering for him or herself. A demon is not just some guy with horns in some fairy tale with a pitchfork. A demon is any person who has anger, vanity, pride, laziness, gluttony, defects. An architect. In our, yeah, so the, we, we, say, we say that a demon is a person who has faults. An angel has no faults, is a perfected human being. And so uh, if, we, if we waste that shaman, that light, we are without, then we are formless and void, and then the spirit cannot hover upon that those waters, because there's no waters there. There is no light to be created. And then we are left as Baal, a demon. And this is why in the book of uh, 
mentioned in the teachings of Moses, thou shalt not fornicate. Don't waste your energies. Because the orgasm is a tremendous waste of energy. You lose everything. Concentration, will, the ability to focus, meditate. Because there are many people who try meditation while continuing to indulge in behaviors that have been restricted within the foundation of every religion. So if we want to be successful meditators and to change psychologically, we, we study this foundation, working with this energy and not abusing it. So to elaborate, we have, uh, in the Mysteries of Anointment, we have uh, this image of uh, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus before Mary Magdalene. And we're going to elaborate upon the teachings of the perfect matrimony. The sexual union and cooperation of a husband and wife to take that energy and use it for God. Exactly. Which is why every religion was against, even Buddhism, which seems to be such a tolerant religion, it, it, the foundation, you cannot engage in sexual vices. Um, the Dalai Lama gave a talk to a group, a big homosexual community. They welcomed him at first because he's a very tolerant and understanding man. And they asked him, can, uh, can a homosexual practice Buddhism? And he said, no. And so they got angry at him. They, they booed and hissed him at him. But he was just being honest. You know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't be Buddhist, Christian, Muslim, Jew if you are adulterating the sexual energy in a, an abusive way, in a, in a homosexual way. It's just you need both polarities, man, woman, the vertical beam, the phallus, the horizontal beam, the uterus, the cross to create the cross. And so uh, homosexuals are really, we could say, and uh, not to not to disrespect their person, but Homosexuals have been considered uh, vampires in ancient tradition. They don't create spiritually, therefore they steal energy from others, especially from the same sex, in order to feed their, their desires. Now, um, that's why, the homos- why vampires were afraid of the cross in, in ancient traditions. They hate the cross. They hate, the homosexuals hate man and woman united. They think it's disgusting because they've lost their innate attraction towards the opposite sex, which is a form of degeneration, a form of abuse. And so we emphasize, as taught by Jesus, as taught by Buddha, Muhammad, that if we want to uh, enter the kingdom of heaven, we need to uh, take up our cross, as Jesus taught, uh, sacrifice for others and follow him. Deny oneself, take up your cross and follow him, as he taught. So the cross, again, is the work in a matrimony. So we have... uh, Mary Magdalene with Jesus. And uh, the word mag in Indo-European language is, uh, comes, it means priest or priestess. And so a priest of nature has his wife, a priestess, in which by working with, uh, with alchemy, they uh, learn to conquer their own inner nature, psychological and spiritual nature, and therefore have power over the elements. This is the, word, the meaning of the word magician, mag, as we say. So Mary Magdalene, we say, was the wife of Jesus. And symbolically, she represents us because she's a prostitute. I mean, if we examine ourselves, we have a lot of lust, a lot of wanting to look at the opposite sex, a lot of distractions, maybe vices like pornography and addiction of a psychological nature and a sexual nature. And so that's our prostitute, our mind, Mary Magdalene. But she's repentant. 
she doesn't want to be a prostitute anymore. She wants to follow Christ. And so she was the most exalted initiate among those with uh, Jesus because uh, the farther one falls, the higher one will rise. And so Jesus said that's why there's more joy in heaven for a sinner who repents than for a thousand righteous ones who have no need for repentance. And so uh, to elaborate on the teachings of uh, alchemy and anointment, we have this teaching from the Gospel of Philip, which is a Gnostic scripture. No one can know when the husband and the wife have intercourse with one another, except the two of them. Indeed, marriage in the world is a mystery for those who have taken a wife. If there is a hidden quality to the marriage of defilement, how much more is the undefiled marriage a true mystery? So what is this defiled marriage? When a man and woman unite sexually and they reach the orgasm, they defile the bed. And if you remember the book of Hebrews, it says... uh, Marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled. Meaning without the culmination of the orgasm, without expelling that energy. But whoremongers and prostitutes are, I'm just paraphrasing it, God will judge. So to reach the orgasm is to make the body a whore, a prostitute. Filthy, physically, and psychologically. And so, uh, if there's a hidden quality to the marriage of defilement, marriage that everyone knows today, how much so more is the undefiled marriage a true mystery? Meaning the teachings of alchemy that we're teaching. There are children as a result without the orgasm. This is the, we could say is a form of immaculate conception. Children in the past, in many, in a time so ancient that it's uh, impossible to imagine given our current uh, archaeologists and uh, study of anthropology. But the humanity of the past used to create physical children without orgasm. This is called immaculate conception, in which the Holy Spirit of an individual can guide one sperm from the phallus of a man into the uterus and guide it to an, an ovum. And without the necessity of spilling millions and billions of spermatozoa, but uh, the way that people engender children today, that was the fall of Adam and Eve, which is a symbol of an ancient humanity that disobeyed these precepts from Elohim, from God, and decided that they want to have children of their own without following the laws of nature. And this is why in the book of Genesis it says, you will be cursed, the snake, above the, all the cattle in the field. You shall crawl on thy belly and dust, you shall eat all the days of your life. That energy now is using for pollution. The serpent, the, se- the sexual power going down. And uh, so, and then she told, and then Jehovah Elohim tells Eve, "You will uh, suffer child uh, pains in childbirth." Humanities in the past did not suffer that; there was no pain because they they procreated and by immaculate conception, sexually uniting, but without wasting the seminal force, they engendered children in accordance with superior laws. And uh, immaculate conception does not mean to not have sex, or that Jesus, that Mary was suddenly impregnated by some figure called the Holy Spirit, and then she had a child. You can, you need, you can have children by having been copulating with your wife in a chaste, pure, clean way, because chastity means cleanliness, and uh, engender children without orgasm. It's uh, very possible. The one who decides that is the innermost. Because in we're, if we're married and we want to have children, we petition to our, our being and ask the Holy Spirit, we wish to engender a child in a pure way, 
And if it's in accordance to karma and the forces are correct and divinity wants it, then it'll be. But if we want children of our own accord, that's why humanity started procreating like animals. So the whole point, I've, I've heard this before, is like just to give up control in any way, just instilling your will in the universe in any way is considered somewhat sinful. Is that the idea? Sin, we say that sin is a psychological quality pertaining to our mind. Okay. Uh, defects like anger, pride, lust, desire towards certain impressions which are transitory and uh, seeking fulfillment through those transitory impressions is a form of suffering. And we say that as sin in Christian terms. But uh, sin, uh, to sin is, uh, really is an archery term. And uh, to go, meaning to go when you're aiming your bow, to go to the left. And uh, in Kabbalah, the left relates to how the forces of, from heaven go down to hell. That's why in traditions they say the left hand is bad, but the right hand is good. The right relates to the sun, the left to the moon. But to follow sin is to follow our own desires, our defects. And uh, to follow divinity, to be chaste, is to go to the path to the right, shoot to the right, to aim one's efforts in meditation and concentration and, and contemplation towards eliminating our desires, our defects. Because desire is, any desire is an attachment. But just to say that by eliminating desire, one is dead, like, psychologically or, or to be dead to uh, the world doesn't mean that in fact we have a greater appreciation of life as a result but that pertains to what we call the, the, the study of the ego desire or defects synonyms for the same thing and uh, all of that is fed depending on our sexual behavior so that's the foundation first stop behaving in a, in a negative sexual manner and use those energies in a, in a pure way for God and that is how we learn to uh, cultivate a serene mind. Because if we give in to desire, the waters of the mind are disturbed. But if we anoint ourselves with that energy every day, we learn to cultivate a serene, type, uh, serene mind. So this undefiled marriage is a true mystery. It is not fleshly, but pure. It belongs not to desire, but to the will. So this is... Going back to what you were asking, desire is uh, an attachment or craving or an aversion to a certain phenomena, an, an impression, whether it's people or food or friends or, or, or whatever. It's our psychological attachments to what we experience from life. Now, will is different, real willpower, meaning to be united with our inner being, our inner God, to do only do His will and Her will. Because we have a divine mother and a divine father. If a marriage is... Uh, so uh, it, it belongs not to desire, but to the will. It belongs not to the darkness or the night, meaning ignorance, but to the day and the light, comprehension, cognizance. If a marriage is open to the public, it has become prostitution. And the bride plays the harlot not only when she is impregnated by another man in the common way, but even if she slips out of her bedroom and is seen. So what does this mean that once marriage has become public? Look at the world today. The institution of marriage, as is commonly practiced, where uh, uh, by signing papers, a couple continues to engage in sex in an animal fashion, to engage in a, in a prostitutive way. So uh, she, uh, and the bride also plays the harlot, not only when being impregnated in a lustful way, 
without immaculate conception, but when uh, she shows herself, and many women do this, and men too, show off their bodies in a lustful way. So this is everywhere. This, is the, this, this parallels the type of degeneration we have in our world today. Let her show herself only to her father and her mother and to the friend of the bridegroom and the sons of the bridegroom. These are permitted to enter every day into the bridal chamber. But let the others yearn just to listen to her voice and to enjoy her ointment, shemen, her oil, lusting after her, that, that, that energy that makes her so attractive. And let them feed up from the crumbs that fall from the table like the dogs, like animals. Bridegrooms and brides belong to the bridal chamber. No one shall be able to see the bridegroom with the bride unless he becomes such a one. So a lot of Christians interpret, and they're right, that the bridegroom is the Christ, and that the bride is the soul that needs to be married. But how does one get married to Christ? By working with the cross, as we mentioned. In the next graphic, we have Jesus being baptized and anointed with water. It's the same symbol, same meaning. And uh, it was at this moment in which Christ, by, through anointment, Jesus of Nazareth incarnated his intimate Christ, his own light, his own ray from which he emanated. And to explain further how sexuality can either be pure or sensual, we have this continuation from the Gospel of Philip. A bridal chamber is not for the animals, nor is it for the slaves, nor for defiled women, but it is for free men and virgins. So does it mean a bridal chamber? What is the bridal chamber? It's the mysteries of alchemy that we're teaching. How to, how to sexually unite with our partner, our wife, or for a woman, her husband, and to use that energy completely for God. That's the bridal chamber. But, and so we're saying that these mysteries of alchemy are not for animals. People who want to continue having sex in a defiled way, in a lustful way, alchemy is not for them. Not for animals, nor is it for slaves. People who are a slave of anger and resentment and pride and defects. Alchemy is not for slaves either. It's not for defiled women. Women who are prostitutes, or meaning all of us really, who are defiled, psychologically speaking. To be defiled, the body to be defiled or a prostitute is to constantly engage in masturbation or homosexuality or, or uh, the ejaculation of the, the shemen, the oil of God. But it is for free men and virgins. So a virgin doesn't necessarily mean someone who doesn't have sex. It means to have sex in a chaste way. To be a free man is to be, uh, have enough potential to really change. Because there's some people in this world, they don't care about changing themselves psychologically. They don't care about learning how to better themselves. Instead, they want to fornicate, drink alcohol, and destroy themselves. So it's for free men, people who, have, who still have some potential, some freedom left to study and meditate and practice, and who really want to change. And for virgins who, are, who want to be chaste and clean. We are born again into the Holy Spirit, and we are conceived through Christ in baptism with two elements. We are anointed through the Spirit, and when we were conceived, we were united. So again, talking about how the Holy Spirit is sexual. No one can see oneself in the water, ma'im, as we mentioned. That water in Hebrew is ma'im. Or in a mirror without light, 
Hebrew word is aur. Nor can you see yourself in the light, aur, without water, maim, or a mirror. So it is necessary to baptize with two elements, light, aur, and water, maim. And light is chrism. So uh, aur, and light and water are synonymous. As I mentioned, if you, if, you elimit, if you expel your treasure within you, your otsar and the shemen, you lose light. Instead, that, light, that energy can be used to give light within us. We need, in order to see spiritually, we need water and light, meaning we need to transform our waters into light, into comprehension. Because that energy is uh, the most potent creative force in the universe. There is no greater power than God. And God is the sexual power. God gave man to have a woman and a woman to have a man in holy matrimony. Yes, so the water, it, the fire is in the water. Okay. The light's in the fire. And the water contains all that. So, uh, to elaborate, uh, and we're going to explain what chrism is, is uh, the mystery of anointment, the oil, the Christ within the oil. There were three buildings specifically for sacrifice in Jerusalem. The one facing the west was called the Holy. Another facing south was called the Holy of the Holy. The third facing east was called the Holy of the Holies, the place where only the high priest enters. So what is a priest? Imag, a magician, who every magician husband has his magician wife. Baptism is the holy building. And relating to Kabbalah, it's a malkut. So the holy is our physical body, which we need to make, we need to make our physicality a holy vehicle for God. As uh, Paul of Tarsus taught, do you not know that your body is the temple of the living God and that He is within you? So make your body holy. Whoremongers, adulterers, prostitutes who abuse sex, they will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But uh, our body is the holy. So uh, redemption is the holy of the holy. So we say that as our inner being has said. Because as the founder of this tradition, Samael and Vior taught that... Uh, the opposite of, has, the opposite of uh, our physical body is our spirit above, has said in Kabbalah. The Holy of the Holies is the bridal chamber, Da'at, this sexual mysteries that we're teaching, alchemy, alchemical science. Baptism includes the resurrection and the redemption. The redemption takes place in the bridal chamber. Literally, in, when a man was uniting sexually with his wife and fighting their lust to contain their control their lust and eliminate their desires by using that energy that is where redemption is found that's what it says in this verse it says it says the redemption takes place in the bridal chamber so literally in the sexual act is really where the redemption of the human being or the damnation of the human being occurs yes so when we work with a marriage, that's, that is how to awaken Kundalini, the Divine Mother Shekinah in, in Kabbalah. And so when we wake that fire in a matrimony, that energy makes the physical body vibrate a higher level of being. And the ethereal body, etheric body saturates the physicality much deeper, makes it even holier, makes it holy. In this next graphic, we're going to explain more about the Kabbalah. 
This is the tree of life. And uh, we explained that to the west is the holy, Malkut, the physical body. And that to the, I believe to the south, we mentioned Chesed, the spirit, the innermost. And then to the, west, to the east, Da'at. So this symbol of Kabbalah teaches us, can explain many scriptures for us. Because um, this is a map of the human being made into the image of Christ. And uh, to synthesize, we have Malkut, our physical body. Yasod, our vitality, our energy, our vital body. We have Hod, our emotions, our astral body. We have Netzach, our mind, our intellect, the mental body. We have Tifereth, willpower, the soul, or human soul. We have Geburah, divine soul, relating to, relating to God. Chesed is our spirit, our inner God. And then above is Christ, the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Keter, Chokmah, Bina. And so uh, our willpower can either follow heaven or follow our own desires, as we mentioned previously. What's the role of Da'at again? Da'at is, uh, again, if we transpose this image on a person, this Trinity relates to the head, this Trinity relates to the heart, this Trinity relates to sex. Da'at relates to the throat, the verb. So we teach that in alchemy, when a husband and wife are united, we can uh, pronounce sacred mantras to activate the sacred fire and awaken the snake of Kundalini inward and upward to begin the path of the cross. So mantras would be associated with da'at? Yes, because da'at relates to the throat and the verb. And da'at is precisely the holy of the holies. Now, uh, in explaining this, uh, the previous Scripture in the Gospel of Philip, it says that to the west is, is the holy, which we said is Malkut. Imagine that we are standing in Tifereth, because we're using our willpower here, imagining that this, our will is uh, situated in the center of the tree of life. To the east is above, towards heaven, because the sun, when the sun rises, represents the birth of Christ within us. So the east refers to going up towards heaven. The West refers to darkness relating to our body. So if we can imagine this transposing ourselves in, or situating ourselves in Tifereth, to the West is our physical body. To the South of Tifereth is uh, Chesed, the Spirit, the Holy of the Holy. And then to the right, to the East above us is Da'at, the Holy of the Holies. Because it is through alchemy that God creates within us. We have this following scripture from the Gnostic teachings where Jesus is addressing his disciples. Truly I tell thee that I have brought nothing to this world but fire, water, wine, and the blood of redemption. I have brought fire and water from the place of the light, from there where the light is found. So in Kabbalah, we explain that uh, water relates to chesed, the spirit. Because the Spirit, uh, our inner God, works with our waters. So in the book of Genesis, it says that the Spirit of God hovered about the face of the waters. That's Chesed. That's performing this work here. The wine of spirituality relates to His divine soul. The divine soul, we have to remember that these five sephiroth above is God. Beneath is the human soul. We're part of Tifereth. We're a fraction of that soul needing to be developed. 
that wants to follow God. Is that the abyss above Tiferet? The abyss is above, uh, there is an abyss relating to Da'at, relating to uh, other studies of the Kabbalah. But the, that abyss refers to how we need to cross an abyss. How do we do it? By working with alchemy, by working with our spirit. But we have to remember that these five Sephiroth above never fall into degeneration. God never falls. But the human soul, which is us in potentiality, has fallen into abuse of mind, emotion, sexuality, and our physicality to synthesize. So the wine is relating the wine of spirituality relates to our divine soul, we say in Kabbalah. Because uh, if you're familiar with the book of Revelation, how he is the Almighty One who treadeth the wine press and the <clears throat> excuse me, the wine press of the wrath of Almighty God. Or the Almighty Living God, Sharei El Chai. And uh, the wine press, the wrath of God, the strength of God is Geburah, our divine soul, which is united with our innermost, we need to be united with our innermost. So the, where is the region of the light from which the water and wine, the water, Chesed, and the wine, Geburah, emerge? Above. That light is the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which we also call the region of Barbello, region of the light of Christ. And I brought the wine and blood from the dwelling of Barbello. After some time had passed, the Father had sent to me the Holy Spirit in the form of a white dove. But listen, the fire, the water, and the wine are for the purification and the forgiveness of sins. Meaning, uh, by working with our spirit in alchemy, our divine soul, and working with uh, our willpower, represented by blood, Tifereth, the soul, that is how we purify ourselves. Because uh, Tifereth, if you transpose this image on a person, Tifereth is the heart, our human soul. We follow the will of God through our heart. And uh, the heart circulates the blood. And the blood is a, contains many powerful archetypes that we need to develop spiritually. So sex and blood is synonymous because the blood gets charged with sexual power, with spiritual force, by working with alchemy. So that is how we achieve redemption, by learning to work with these forces. But listen, the fire, the water, and the wine are for the purification and forgiveness of sins. The blood that was given to me as a symbol of the human body, I received in the dwelling of Barbello, of the great strength of the universal God. So anointment pertains precisely to this teaching of uh, working with uh, the chalice, as we see in this image. So we related the Gnostic scripture I just mentioned to talk about how redemption is by working with our spirit, our inner God, and with the archetypes, which are found in a potential state within sex. And so in this image we have Mary Magdalene, or uh, we have a woman, or even Mary Magdalene, holding the Holy Grail. So the Grail is a symbol of the feminine sexual organs, the uterus, the chalice. And... Uh, the spear, the lance of Longinus, is uh, a symbol of the phallus in the, the grail mysteries. So anointment pertains precisely to these mysteries of the, excuse me, of the holy grail. So we have the, this uh, explanation from the Gospel of Philip. The cup of prayer contains wine and water since it is appointed as the type of the blood for which thanks is given. 
So wine in Hebrew is ein, and water is a ma'im. Since it, appoint, it is appointed as the type of the blood, dam, in Hebrew, for which thanks is given. So we know from science that it takes 80 drops of blood to make one drop of semen. So individuals who ejaculate their semen lose vitality. They lose, they literally, they're expelling their blood from their body in a grotesque manner. We need to use uh, the blood of, we need to charge our blood with spirit. The way that we do that is by working with our breath, the sexual exercises of transmutation we provide, and uh, the blood becomes saturated with, with uh, divine forces, becomes wine, spiritual wine. So the word blood is dam in Hebrew. You have the letter aleph, the wind, the spirit, in the, in the name El or Eloah, Elohim, God. Add that letter aleph to dam, you spell Adam. So Adam is the first man made in the image of God, which if we work with our own breath, aleph, mantra, uh, pranayama, sexual magic, if we're married, we uh, start to create the human being within us. And so this cup is uh, elaborated in terms of anointment. It is, the f- it is full of the Holy Spirit, and it belongs to the holy, perfect man, or woman, we could say. When we drink this, we shall receive for ourselves the perfect man. The living water, Ma'im, is a body. It is necessary that we put on the living man. Therefore, when he is about to go down into the water, Ma'im, he unclothes himself in order that he may put on the living man. So this relates to baptism, anointment. So what happens when a person wants to baptize themselves in any tradition? They take off their clothes and they go into the water. This is a symbol of alchemy. When, when, a, person, when a man's with his wife, they take off their clothes and they purify themselves with those waters. If, they're, if, they knew this, if they know this science. How does that relate to the mikvah? It's the same meaning. The mikvah minit in Hebrew, or in Judaism, refers to ritual uh, bathing or cleansing with the, of the rabbis. So traditionally, it was a symbol of how to clean one's psycho- oneself psychologically by working with that energy of God and uh, to purify the mind. And so they would, dip, they would take their, their clothes and dip themselves in the water as a form of anointment, baptism. Some just used the, they just took their shoes off. Like they used to kneel. Yeah, there's different, cultures, different ways of doing it in different cultures. But uh, in explaining this, in this scripture, you know, a man takes off his clothes because when he's with his wife, they, they are intimate. And so that is how they may put on the living man. Or as Paul Tarsus talks about the celestial man and the terrestrial man. Just as, the, just as we bore the image of the earthly, meaning if we're working to create a certain uh, as- archetypes within ourselves, we can then bear the image of the heavenly, the living man, mentioned in the Gospel of Philip. So uh, we have this image of Jesus with a heart of, uh, of with thorns. So we're going to elaborate on the water and the fire. So, uh, precisely, we're going to explain a little bit more about what chrism is. So, uh, see here in this image, Christ is illuminated. His heart is illuminated. The blood of his heart is purified, emanating light, awur. Precisely because he worked with his waters. And so the thorns uh, gripping the heart refers to how we need to restrain our animal passion. And it's painful. The, The mind does not want to give in, wants to indulge in its desires and always fights against us to 
to think bad thoughts or feel negative emotions or to identify with lust and is that pain we feel, that conflict when we are struggling against ourselves. But here he's showing a lot of peace and showing that it is through the power of the cross in his heart by taking the cross of sex, the energies of the kundalini up the spinal column to the brain and then to the heart is how one can attain redemption. Soul and spirit come into being from water, mem, and fire, shin. The attendant of the bridal chamber, we can say any initiate working in alchemy, has come into being from water, fire, and light. The Hebrew word is awr for light. Fire is chrism. Light is fire. I do not mean ordinary fire, which has no form, but other fire, which we say in these studies is astral light, inri, ignis natura renovatur integra in Latin, or Jesus Nazarenus rex Uriarum, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, which is pure white in appearance, Beautifully bright and imparting beauty. The Hebrew word for beauty is tifereth, as we explained previously. The, the heart, the soul. So, uh, what is chrism? It's that oil we have in our body, which can be anoint us spiritually. We have another word, which unfortunately is a very vulgar term, which we're going to elaborate what, how, where the meaning comes from. In Hindi, it's uh, not so vulgar or commonplace and refers to the body or female sexual male organs of the vulva or the penis of a man or woman. It's, uh, the, the Hindu word is jism. And uh, the word chrism is the same thing. Same energy. Which emanates from our sexual glands. So I hate saying the, the term, but you know, it elaborates it and explains for us, well, where did this term come from? There's a lot of argument. I was doing some research and people are not sure where this word comes from. Well, it comes from chrism. The light of Christ within our semen. And uh, it also means seminal fluid in Hindi or uh, energy and strength. So what is uh, that energy that we need to develop? In this image, we have uh, Moses with the brazen serpent upon a staff. And a quote from the Master Samael on Vior, the founder of the modern Gnostic tradition who explains the significance of the astral light. So what chrism is, what the seminal power of God is. The astral light is the deposit of all of great nature's past, present, and future forms. So if we awaken the astral plane, we can investigate many things within the astral light in the world of dreams. Where uh, upon that etheric and uh, astral atmosphere, we can perceive many things clairvoyantly by invoking our being to show us the memories of nature. This is known as the Akashic Records. The astral light is the Azoth and the Magnesia of the ancient alchemists, Medea's flying dragon, the Christian's Inri, the Tarot of the Bohemians. The astral light is a terrific sexual fire springing from the sun's nimbus and is fixed to the earth by the force of gravity and the weight of the atmosphere. The sun is the one that attracts and repels such an enchanting, delightful light. The astral light is Archimedes' lever, lever, the old sage said, Give me a fulcrum and I will move the universe. The semen is the human being's astral liquid. This is the fulcrum by which we can attain, move mountains. With a faith the size of a mustard seed, really the seed relates to seminal, the semen, you can move a mountain, any ordeal. The semen is the astral light. 
The semen is the key to all powers and the key to all empires. The astral light has two poles, one positive and the other negative. The ascending serpent is positive. The descending serpent is negative. So we have Kundalini above, and then we have Kunda buffer. The serpent above is the brazen serpent that healed the, Israel, the Israelites in the wilderness. The serpent of brass. Brass is an alchemical symbol referring to tin, Jupiter, the man, and copper, Venus, the woman. So copper and tin united is, is bronze. So teaching us that in order to awaken uh, the serpent that will heal us from all our sufferings, the people of Israel within us, we need to raise that serpent on the staff, which is our spine. And, the, and, the, and really the staff is also here is depicted as a cross, sexual union of man and woman. The other serpent that goes down is the tempting serpent of Eden. Fornication, lust, homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, masturbation, all those vices that awaken that fire downward. Transgendered or transsexual individuals. They commit a great crime against their bodies, against their being. And uh, it's very sad that the people wanted to destroy themselves in that way. So um, those individuals become barren, we can say. They lose their potential to change because they physically destroy their organs in such a way they want to become the other sex. Well, there's a price for that. But um, they activate and develop that inverted fire in such a way. So uh, we seek to develop kundalini in a marriage, not kundabuffer. Kundabuffer is the serpent that descends into hell it is the tale of Satan, in, uh, which you can perceive in certain individuals in the astral plane. It's a long uh, figure. So uh, we want to be born again. We want to be anointed, as mentioned in the teachings of Jesus. And so to raise that sexual serpent up the spinal column is precisely the meaning of being, to be born again. Because the spinal medulla is a womb in which we can engender the sacred fire kundalini, the Shekinah, amongst the rabbis of Israel. So Jesus is teaching Nicodemus. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Book John, uh, John book 3, verse 5. The word to be born relates to the letter He which is a womb. If you see this image, it's, it looks like a womb. It represents the uterus. The first hay is born? No, the hay, hay relates to, in this case, hay relates to uh, the womb, to be born, to be gestated. Okay. Mem is water, and shin is spirit, the fire. Sp- take those three letters together, you spell uh, Hashem. To be born again is to precisely to work with Hashem, our, our God, our Shem, the name of our being, our, our Shemen. And uh, beneath that we have, if you take the same letters and reverse it, you spell Moshe, Moses. So to develop the archetype of Moses within ourselves, because Moses represents for us the need to develop Tiferet, the willpower, as uh, how we are born again, precisely through working with the Tantra, in this image, we have Christ on the cross and uh, some other scriptures to relate uh, this teaching of being born again. 
Philip the Apostle said, Joseph the carpenter planted a garden because he needed wood for his trade. It was he who made the cross from the trees which he planted. His own offspring hung on that which he planted. His offspring was Jesus, and the planting was the cross. End quote. But the tree of life is in the middle of the garden. However, it is from the olive tree that we got the chrism, and from the chrism, the resurrection. So what is that tree of life? It also refers to our spine. And uh, Joseph, or Iosef, Io kephas. Kephas means head or stone. And Io is, uh, uh, as in the name, Jupiter, Io patar. Father, mother, united. Man, woman, united. So Jesus, as uh, really the initiate who is uh, incarnating Christ, hangs upon the olive tree. And that tree is precisely the crucifix. And the crucifix is how is the work of alchemy, by which through sex, working with, in a matrimony, we uh, work to eliminate our defects. We hang upon that cross. The ego dies in a very painful manner. And uh, it is uh, also a representative of how the initiate needs to pay a certain karma and patiently. But uh, the, garden is, is, the Garden of Eden is precisely sexual. Man and woman united are a garden. It's beautiful, bliss, divine. And the tree that is in the middle of the garden of Eden is our, the tree of uh, life, our spine, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. How do we develop knowledge? Dot, gnosis, is by working with energy, the sexual force, which is uh, precisely the tree of knowledge of good and evil in sex. So those two trees share the same roots. Yes, so uh, the chakra is developed as a result of raising that fire. And that's how our garden begins to blossom. The, flower, the chakras are flowers. And they, if you see in the internal planes that you see many beautiful flowers in your dreams, where you ask, you know, how am I doing? They show you flowers that are very beautiful and divine. It means that you're awakening your senses because you're raising that energy upward. So the Garden of Eden is precisely that. And in this next image, we have, again, Adam and Eve represented in... Uh, Paradise. So this is again from the Gospel of Philip, and uh, it elaborates on much we've ex- much of that we explained how uh, the scriptures are symbolic, kabbalistic. Truth and nakedness, from the Gospel of Philip. Truth did not come into the world naked, but in symbols and images. The world cannot receive truth in any other way, because as the Zohar mentions, people don't understand it. They would be outraged to hear it literally. To give this, now, but now times are different, we're giving it publicly. There is rebirth and an image of rebirth to be born again, Hashem. And it is by means of this image that one must be reborn, precisely in parentheses through, through sexual magic, alchemy with one's partner. What image is this? It is resurrection. Image must arise through image. So what is a image referring to? It can either mean virtues or defects. Any defect in the mind is a type of image, an idol, a false idol that we all worship whenever we identify with a defect, a desire. But we need to destroy those idols in order to liberate the soul that is trapped in them, to create spiritual images, to create the virtues of the soul. This is resurrection by 
dying in those defects and liberating the soul so that the soul resurrects like the phoenix from its ashes. By means of this image, the bridal chamber, which also we could say is the physical body, and the psychological image of the, we say, of the initiate must approach the truth. This is restoration, or we could say is spiritual and sexual regeneration. So to restore ourselves back to the kingdom of heaven, we need to work with the bridal chamber, work in, with our bride, or if a, a woman are working with her, her husband, bridegroom. Those who receive the name, Hebrew, Hashem, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and have accepted them must do this. If someone does not accept them, the name Hashem will be taken from that person. A person receives them in the chrism with the oil of the power of the cross. A person receives them in the chrism with the shemen of the power of sexual union. Very literal, very very direct. The apostles call the power of the right, call this the power of the right and the left. So what is this power of the right and the left? is Adam and Eve. We know from the symbol of the spinal medulla, the caduceus and mercury in medicine, that there are, there's a spinal medulla and that there are two energetic channels which rise inward and upward, intertwining up the spine to the brain. To the right we have Adam, the solar sexual current, the solar masculine energy rising up. Ida and Pingala in Sanskrit. On the left is Chava Eve, lunar, the lunar energies. This doesn't mean good and bad, it just means that we have a polarization like, mag- like magnetism. Of our, uh, we have a magnetism in our body and how those forces operate. So uh, in men, the solar sexual current rises from the, the left testicle and then goes to the right nostril. And then, it's in, and then uh, the lunar energy goes from the right testicle to the left nostril. So the left side relates to the moon, the lunar uh, sexual current, and the right to the positive solar current. And so uh, it's saying here that there's, this power is given to the right and to the left, meaning we have those two energy channels. We call them uh, two witnesses in Book of Revelation, in which that energy can rise inward and upward through those channels to the chalice of the brain and then to the heart. Does that have anything to do with the alternate breathing? Yes. So uh, we teach pranayama, and that, that exactly relates to working with Ida and Pingala, Adam, Eve, or in Hebrew, Od and Obd different names for the same currents. This person, so by uh, the, the apostles call this power the right, Pingala, and the left, Ida, the two currents. And those who raise the energy, we could say, uh, this person is no longer a Christian, but is Christ. So that is how we become Christified. It's how the soul, the, bride, the bridegroom, marries the bride. So in this image, we have... Uh, Again, those two currents, Ida and Pingala, represented by the Holy Eight. And uh, we referenced a little bit previously, uh, we have uh, three brains or three centers of activity. We have our intellectual brain, where we have thoughts. We have the emotional brain, relating to the heart. And then the motor instinctive sexual brain, or the sexual brain, relating to sex. Three spheres by which we process our, our experience, thought, feeling, and action. So the energy has to rise through these two channels to the brain in the form of the Holy Eight. And uh, we didn't mention in the beginning, but you know the Hebrew letters associate with the physical body. Aleph is the air, relates to the mind. Thoughts that float, insubstantial. 
Shin, fire in the heart, relates to the blood. Because uh, if, if we have love or hate, the, it's fire in our interior. Then the waters relates to sex. So Aleph, Shin, Mem, you could say it spells Hashem or Hashem, the name of God. So uh, we elaborate on the points we made by this, uh, from Book of Revelation, Book 3, verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that, that, that thou mayest see. So what does it mean to buy gold, try to fire? In a sexual act, the fire is present, and if we control it, we can incinerate our defects. It's explained in the perfect matrimony and uh, the mystery of the golden blossom. So that we can be rich spiritually and white raiment, meaning to create the soul. The soul is a vesture that we need to wear by creating it. Where Jesus taught, you know, uh, he said, uh, uh, in patience possess ye your souls. He didn't say that you have, we have soul yet. It means that we need to develop it. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Meaning we don't feel ashamed of being naked in front of God after having fallen. But now we wish to anoint thine, our eyes, our perception with, with the oil of God. Our spiritual sight is illuminated by working with that energy. And this is the wine, which in Hebrew is in, and the, the word for eyes is ain. So the wine of spirituality helps us see clearly. But the wine of fornication makes us very drunk, and we stumble into the abyss, if that is what we choose. So eye salve is that, that oil, that ointment that can allow us to see. And we're going to give a little practice, briefly, on how to uh, work with that eye salve. Yes. Does that relate to, what is the relationship between that? I thought I read somewhere in the mother letters. Those are the three mother letters. So we have three primary Hebrew letters in Kabbalah that are the basis of all Kabbalah. Aleph in the mind, Shin in the heart, and Mem in sex. So those three letters are the, the foundation of, the, of uh, Kabbalah in terms of the, the study of the Hebrew letters. And they relate to our three brains. So it's interesting how they correlate. So we have an exercise called Hamsa in which we learn to control our breath, our perspiration, so that we can take that energy inward and upward up these two currents in our spine, to our brain and then to our heart. When we inhale, we mentally pronounce Ham. Very prolonged as we inhale. Imagine that energy rising from our testicles or the ovaries, inward and upward up the spine, the two channels to the brain. When the air is fully inhaled and that through prayer and concentration, we bring that energy to our mind to illuminate our mind, we pronounce the mantra, sa, sa, very light to the, and then imagine that energy going to the heart. Hum is solar, meaning we're trying to change the flow of forces in our body to go inward and upward. Because most of us, through bad education and, uh, or miseducation from our childhood, learning to masturbate or fornicate, those energies go inward and outward, from inside to out. And our breath relates to how those forces uh, fluctuate inside of ourselves. So if we learn to reverse 
the momentum by our with using our breath, breathing inward and accentuating hum. Really focusing on the retention of the breath with that energy going from the se- sexual organs to the brain. And then we visualize the energy going to our heart. So hum is more exaggerated. So And uh, the pronunciation is just a light saw. I know people who do try to do it very fast, a very fast rhythm. And it's, it's not supposed to be labored like that. It's very relaxed, the body, no tension. What's important is one's concentration and faith. And by imagining the energies working with our breath, the aleph, the wind, the spirit of God. So hamsa is important in this tradition. It's an exercise that some island VR gave in uh, different lectures. Uh, Yes. Hum is solar, meaning solar. inward and upward. Sa is, goes out, lunar, so it goes to the heart. And so uh, there's a lecture, a four-part lecture given on our website, NasikTeachings.org, called uh, The Transmutation of Sexual Energy, which is where you'll find a more elaborate explanation about hamsa from uh, the Master Samael on Vior. So we have this following quote from uh, Blavatsky in explaining this image. So hamsa... Is, a, is the Kalahamsa swan of Hinduism. So uh, this is the famous swan that was killed in Wagner's Parsifal, in his opera. And if you watch that opera, because Wagner was a master who knew this science, he taught how the redemption of the human being is in the bridal, ch- bridal chamber. And you see very clearly in that opera how he needs to take the spear back from the evil magician, meaning his ego, and to wage war against him. But he does it precisely by conquering a woman who's trying to tempt him into hell. Her name is Kundri, or Kunda Buffer. We could say, this tempting serpent. But uh, Blavatsky, another great master, she says in her secret doctrine, Kalahamsa is an important symbol representing, for instance, divine wisdom. Wisdom and darkness beyond the reach of men. For all exoteric purposes, Hamsa, as every Hindu knows, is a fabulous bird which when given milk mixed with water for its food, in the allegory, separated the two, drinking the milk and leaving the water, thus showing inherent wisdom, milk standing symbolically for spirit and water for matter. So the shaman, the oil, is we need to extract the soul from the, from the substance so that we can illuminate our psyche. That is the mystery of alchemy, transmutation. And... Uh, we learn to transmute the, the milk. We, develop, we drink the milk of wisdom from the waters of sex. And uh, milk is a very uh, pre- prevalent symbol within different religions, even Islam. The paradise of milk and honey, where many auris or divine virgins serve one with cups of alabaster or cups of, of uh, divine uh, amrita. Or the Arabic word is amixil. I'm not pronouncing it right, probably, but amixil, I believe, is one transliteration. Yes, so same meaning. Jesus' first miracle was at a marriage. It's really in a symbol of anointment. Turning the, in, a, in a wedding where men and women are celebrating their sexual union, he turns water into wine. People translate it literally, think, interpret it literally thinking it's about Jesus trying to get some people drunk, and that's absurd. But uh, the real meaning is these uh, mysteries of anointment that we're teaching. Do have any questions? Um, today, like people say, fornication is sex 
specifically? Yes. And so does the, the Hebrew that they use in the Ten Commandments, does that uh, tell us like the real meaning? Yeah, so the, the meaning is, you know, why w- people think that the Sixth and the Ninth Commandment are the same. Thou shalt not fornicate, Sixth Commandment. And then thou shalt not commit adultery. Why would Moses, who was a great initiate, say the same thing twice? It, it really is incongruent. Because fornication is to burn as a furnace uh, from the Latin fornix. And adultery means to mix and make impure. So they're related. But to commit fornication is to burn with passion. And um, what comes to my mind is, uh, I believe it was the second day of Genesis, where it says, uh, let there be lights in the heaven of the firmament in order to divide the heaven from the, from the superior waters from the inferior waters. The word for lights in heaven is merot. Merot has a light, the word aur in it. If you ejaculate your aur, your light, from those waters, you have the Hebrew word mut, which means death. So merot is like lights in heaven. You want to have lights in heaven, your Christmas tree, your spinal column needs to be illuminated. Work with your, your waters to divide the inferior waters with the superior so that you can create lights in your head, your heaven, your pumpkin gourd, like in the Mysteries of Halloween. Get that gunk out and put it with a candle so that you illuminate, you're spiritually illuminated. So that's the same meaning of the, dividing the waters. Now, uh, again, to, to fornicate is to burn that fire and then to ejaculate it. So the light, merot, just becomes mot, death. One is dead spiritually through that act. But the question is, why would Moses say the same thing twice? This doesn't make sense. Or like the fact that there's a line in the Genesis that says, be fruitful and multiply. The original Hebrew says, be fruitful and rabbi. Be fruitful and be a master. And we have a whole series of lectures just about that line, or those, that series of line on our website from one of the other lecturers. But the original Hebrew tells us that, and that fornication is, one, is really one thing. Adultery is to commit fornication with, outside of marriage. Or uh, really adultery pr- pertains to simply looking at a member of the opposite sex with lust. Jesus said, if you, you, Verily of old you've, you've heard it said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But even if you look at another person with lust, you've committed adultery with that person in your heart. So that's adultery. Fornication is actually to burn. It's a furnace. So instead of the burning... Yes, so we need to learn to work with fire, to steal the fire from the devil, in a matter of speaking. Steal fire from your defects. And the, way, the best way to do that is when you're united with your wife, sexually. That's the moment where to be or not to be. You're going to control that fire or you're going to let it control you. So that's, the, that's what it means to make light out of the darkness. And to really sanctify marriage, make it something holy. Yeah, and many, Jew, many Jews say, be fruitful and multiply. They think, oh, the Bible says we can have kids. doesn't mean that. It says, be fruitful and rabbi. Be fruitful and a rabbi. Be a master. But the, the esoteric tradition in the, in the scriptures was not given openly. And the thing is, uh, these books were not meant for the public. But they were taken and then they were used and interpreted literally for, for th- millennia. So we need to learn how to 
see things in a very scientific manner and not approach it blindly. But yeah, people think that, oh, casual sex or just having, they think it's a game. They think, they think it's something just something to be mock and to have fun with. And really, it's tremendous crime. Because the crime against sex, the, uh, the crimes against the sun, chokmah, the Christ in the heart, can be forgiven. Anger, pride, vanity, you can be forgiven that. But crimes against the Holy Spirit in sex, you have to pay with pain. And many people are getting sick nowadays of cancer and all sorts of diseases because they abuse that energy. They don't anoint themselves. Have you heard of Wilhelm Reich? No. Well, Wilhelm Reich, the organ energy. Yeah, yeah, that's this. Is, this is something he was saying that if you're, if if he, he was uh, big in making like organ energy, he was he was the guy who came up with organ energy, and so like he like actually came up with apparatuses or whatever to like measure chi or Holy Spirit, whatever you're calling. He really studied energy like, healing. Yeah, he he made like a box and everything, and he was saying like if there is. That he he contributed illness to uh, mischanneled sexual energy. Yes. So chi chi is precisely, uh, or kri, kri Christ, chi is Christic energy that we need to learn to control. So yeah, there's a lot of scientists who are developing apparatuses to measure psychic phenomena, like the Kirlian camera, uh, photographs of auras from a Russian. There was a Russian scientist who invented that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, mischanneled sexual energy. Anyone who ejaculates is, is it's an explosion of energy and the circuitry of the body fuses burns out but it can be healed and regenerated through a lot of patience a lot of persistent work with uh this force but um you know we have many many exercises we use to heal ourselves from uh, our, pri- our pre- previous actions we could say any more uh, questions or comments Yeah, Aben is uh, Hebrew for stone. And uh, we get names like Ben-Yamin, Benjamin, Ben or uh, the stone, or even you have, you have a famous movie, Ben-Hur, or Beni-Haur, ben, son of the light. Beni means sun, and you know the sun emerges from the stone. A child emerges from the stones of a man and a woman. So... Uh, It comes from that. This, cause the, this, this, it's the stone. Yeah. That, that's that's it's slang, but you know it's funny when you look at it. That's where the meaning comes from. Um, even more uh, questions or comments, we'll uh, conclude. So uh, we have uh, many exercises that help us to really experience the and understand these principles from direct experience. So Gnosis is, is pertinent towards developing conscious knowledge of religion, what religion teaches. So we're explaining some of the meanings behind different scriptures, but the real meaning is only really open to us as we learn to work within ourselves. And uh, this is a very practical teaching. So we gave a lot of theory and we explained many things, but really that will come to fruit in our own understanding by studying and by practicing. So I invite you to really study some of the literature we have available and uh, study our websites for other lectures and materials that might be interesting to you. And uh, that is how understanding will blossom more and more. So we explained a lot about Kabbalah today and 
how it pertains to our development as a, as a soul. And uh, really, the most important thing we need to do is to practice, to apply what we learn. Otherwise, uh, as James, the Apostle James said, faith without works is dead. So um, I thank you for coming. To learn more about the knowledge covered in this lecture, we invite you to study the books available through Glorian Publishing or GnosticTeachings.org. You can also view free online courses, lectures, transcriptions, and articles available at ChicagoGnosis.org. All of this is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Have you benefited from this knowledge? Help others by making a tax-deductible donation at chicagognosis.org. We thank you for listening. We hope that these lectures aid you in developing your complete and divine potential. May all beings be happy. May all beings be joyful. May all beings be in peace. Thank you.